Shalom Wabrachal, we are up to Mayed Cotton Daf Ches. Today's Daf talks about the Koyan procrastinating the inspection of Taras. We talk about giving Hespedim on Cholamayid. We talk about burying on Cholamayid, different halachas of that. And we finish off with a little bit of Simcha, the sugi of Ein Ma'arvin Simcha, Besimcha, by getting married on Cholamayid. We finished off yesterday with a Machlaikas for the source that teaches us that the coin does not have to paskin on the nega the day that he sees it. Rabbi Huda says we learn it out from Echasan, who the coin waits till after Shavar Brachis before paskining. Rabbi says we learn it out from a house in which we wait for the Balabayas to remove all his stuff before paskining. And we said two nafkaminas. Either they're just arguing about where, which pasuk we learn it from, or Rabbi brings a second answer that there's actually going to be an afkamina of a dvarishus. Is the Koyan allowed to procrastinate for dvarishus, or does it have to be a, have to be a chasin, which is a mitzvah? Now, Rabbi Yehuda doesn't learn it out from the house case. Because the house is a chiddish. Because there, even etzim ba'avonim become tomei. And we're not going to learn out a binyan av from a chiddish diga halacha. Rabbi says we still need the pasuk of a yom harois boy. Even though we we already know that a virus just can be procrastinated, because if we only had the puzzle of Yom Haris boy, I would think that I can only procrastinate for a dvar mitzvah, but not a dvar shus. So that's why we have an extra puzzle of a tziva hakoyin by the house to tell me that even a dvar shus can be procrastinated. If the puzzle only said the tziva hakoyin, then I would think that the coin is only allowed to procrastinate on a on a house. But how would I know that on if the tzaras is on the body that we could still procrastinate. That's why we have the other Pasuk of Vyoim Harois. Okay, that's how Rabbi explains the reason for double Psukim. Now we have a quote Omar Mar that there are some days that the Koyen looks at the Mara and some days that there are not. We have two explanations what this means. Meaning how do we know that there are some days that the Koyen doesn't look at it? Abai says the sources from the Pasuk Ubayoim. There's an extra vav in Ubayoim. And that teaches me that there's an emphasis on Bayoim, that there are some days that he looks at it that day and some days that he doesn't. Rava says that entire Pasuk is extra because the Pasuk could have just said Ubaharois when we show it to him. Why does he have to say Ubayoim? The whole word Ubayoim is extra to teach me that there's some days that he looks at it and some days that the coin won't. Abai says we do actually need that word. The reason why Abai only learned from the Vav is because I need Ubayoim to teach me that the coin is only allowed to check the Naga by day and not at night. Rava learns that halacha, that the coin can only look at it by day, from the Pasuk of Lakol Mare Ene Hakoyin. The coin has to be able to see it. Abai says that comes to tell me that a half blind coin can't check a Naga. So Gemara says, wait, Rava also needs the Pasuk. Of to teach me that the coin has to have sight in both of his eyes. Gemara says, So how does he know that the coin is only allowed to check by day? From the Pasuk of Kinega meaning that I was able to see the Nega and not that I needed to use a candle, a light, to see the Nega, meaning it was daytime. Abaya doesn't learn it out from there because that's only talking about bias. And if it only says it by bias, I would think not on the goof, to the exclusion of the body. Kamash Malan, 
I have two psukim. One to tell me that it applies on the body as well. And secondly, to tell me that the coin's only allowed to chuck by daylight. Now we have a new Mishnah that tells us that Rameyer Paskins, that a person is allowed to collect the bones of his father and mother. The Rush and the Ran say that this means any of the Zion Kravim. Because for him it's a Simcha. Rabbi Yossi says the opposite, that this is an Avelis for him. and He should not be done on Cholamayid. This is how we Paskin. Next, the Mishnah says that a person should not awaken the morning for his mace. The Gemara is going to explain what that means, and he shouldn't be maspid him, maspid the mace, if the mace died within 30 days of Yom Tif. And the Gemara asks a contradiction. We have a Mishnah that tells us that if someone exhumes one of the Shiva Kravim to rebury it or to Sorel or somewhere else, he's misaval that whole day, but not at night. Ay, why is he misabal? According to Jeremiah, it's a simcha. So Abayah explains, Jeremiah wasn't saying that it's a simcha. Abayah was saying, Jeremiah was explaining that the reason why he's allowed to exhume the bones is because simcha's yomtif will dampen the avelos, the tsar of it. But obviously there's going to be an avelos when uh, reburying a mace. Now, Amisha said that a person shouldn't awaken the, the mace. It shouldn't awaken that. What does that mean? Rav explains that they would hire a, a eulogizer to come and cry with them to express their loss. So that can't be done on Chalamite. Now, why does Amisha say that the, the mace died within 30 days of Yom Tif? So we have a few reasons. Rav explains... That within 30 days of Yom Tif, that could interfere with Aliyah Regal Because there was someone who had a mace within 30 days. And they gave all the money for Aliyah Regal to the eulogizer. And then they didn't have money to do, to do Aliyah Regal. That's why we have 30 days before Yom Tif that we don't do any eulogizing to prevent this story from happening. Shmuel gives a different answer. Shmuel says that the mace is not forgotten from the heart until 30 days later. So since it's still raw within 30 days, that's where it's usher. The nafkamina between these two shittas would be is if, if the, the levaya would be for free, in which case it wouldn't interfere with Ali Regal, according to Rav the First Opinion. Now, the next Mishnah tells us that you're not allowed to dig any sort of a burial plot on Cholamoid, but you're allowed to be mechanech, the burial plot. You're allowed to dig up a little pool to do your laundry in on Cholamayid. It's interesting because you're not allowed to do laundry. But it's not such a tircha to dig up this little well. And you're allowed to make a coffin as long as the mace is there in the chatzar. If Yehuda says you're allowed to do this as long as you don't bring new boards of wood into the chatzar, you have to have the boards there beforehand. Now the Gemara goes through step by step to understand our Mishnah. The Mishnah mentioned kuchin and kavares. These are two different types of burial plots. What's the difference? Yehuda says that kuchin is where one digs down to bury, and kavares is where you build up sort of an oil to bury his mace there. And he brings a brise that approve this. Now what does it mean to be mechanchin, the burial plot? Yehuda says that if the... If, uh, mechanchin means that if the hole was too long, he could shorten it. Or lengthen it. Now, you're allowed to make a nevrechas. We explained that this is a little ditch to do laundry in. 
There are two words for this ditch, a nevreches and a bekia. One is a bigger one, one is a smaller one. Now, regarding building a coffin, we have a Mishnah that tells us that you're allowed to do anything for a mace. On Cholamayud, you could cut off his hair, clean his clothing, and make him a coffin. You can only make this coffin from boards that were brought from Erev Yomtif. However, Rabbi Shimon Ben Gamliel says you're even allowed to bring new boards, Bitsina, on Cholamayud. Now we have a new Mishnah, a little more Besimcha, that tells us that one should not get married on Cholamayud, not to a Basula, not to an Almana, not to a Yavam, because there's a tremendous Simcha in that. I think I was going to explain what's wrong with that. And the exception is that one is allowed to be Machzir his Grushase, to marry a woman that he had previously divorced, because there's less Simcha in that. A woman is allowed to put on uh, makeup and jewelry, Tachshitim on Chalamoid. Rev Yehuda says, that, she, that a woman should not put on this, this mud, this crust, because even though it, it does make her look nice eventually, but in, when it's on, in the beginning, it makes her face all red and poofy, and that's not nice for halamoid. A lame person, meaning not an expert, is allowed to sew normally on halamoid. A craftsman has to make this funny uh, dog-tooth-like stitch. He has to do a shinoi while sewing. The Mishnah also tells us that you're allowed to put the ropes on a bed to hold up the mattress. Maybe that was the mattress. Um, Rav Yesi says you're allowed to tighten them. Tighten these ropes. You know, sleep tight. That's where it comes from. Now the Mishnah tells us, what's wrong with Simcha and Cholamayit? It sounds like a great thing. Rav Yehuda Mashmol says, Rav Lezer says in the name of Rav Yishio also, some say Rav Lozer or Rav Chanina, First answer is Ein Ma'arvin Simcha Besimcha. Second answer, why, why not, is because we're concerned that this Simcha of getting married is going to trump the Simcha of Yamtiv. We have a possible Vesamachta Bechagecha as opposed to Vesamachta Beishtecha. So uh, Ula has a third answer because there's a tremendous Torah. There is a Tircha Yaseira in setting up Bechasana. And that is Osir on Cholamayid. Rav Yitzchak has a fourth answer of Bittul Pirya Verivya. If we were allowed to make Chasanas on Cholamayid, everyone would make all the Chasanas on Cholamayid to be able to, you know, everyone's on vacation. And instead of making two sudas, one for Cholamayid, one for the Chasana, we could double dip and then people will be pushing off their weddings. They'll be getting married later than they would, saving it for Yamtif. Tomorrow we're going to ask some kashas on this, on all these answers. But uh, in the meantime, thank you for learning with me and have a wonderful day.